Good morning, church. Can you hear me now? I always feel that that commercial. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Oh, Reggie. Where's Reggie? Good job. Good job, but can you top this one? Hold on. <laughs> See, there are people in this church who give me things, and I've, had, I've been given these hats. God is good all the time. <laughs> Whether you're a Democrat or Republican, right? <laughs> God is good all the time. So thank you to those of you who gave these to me. And Reggie told me yesterday, he goes, hey, you know, I, I'm going to do this tomorrow. Is that okay? I said, yeah. So I had to bring out the hat. Say, no, but uh, I'm so glad that makes me happy when uh, it makes me happy when you people do that, you know, because we're a, we're a people, and uh, I want us always to say God is good all the time. And uh, I'll never forget that day I walked into one of our, our classes at MGA, uh, one of our elementary classes. I just I had to go in. I think it was uh, my daughter needed something that day, and I went in to give it. And as soon as I walked in, about five or six kids go, God is good, you know, <laughs> like all the time, you know. <laughs> it's just caught me off guard. So uh, I praise God this morning that, uh, that I get to get up here today and thank God. That I get to get up in front of all of you and testify to our great and awesome God who has blessed us in unimaginable ways, in amazing ways. And I think we would all testify today that, that uh, even the hard times, God has made some pretty amazing things through them. And that we can praise Him, as the song says, through the storm or in the storm, uh, because God never, ever leaves us. Um, I asked Speedy to hold off on the greeting today, because I wanted to do something, a little experiment, if you will, today. Uh, and so we didn't have you greet each other at the beginning like we normally do. And I'm going to have you greet each other today, but this is what I'm, I'm going to give you a specific assignment. I heard uh, author and speaker John Orford do this once, and I thought this would be a great experiment for Calamesa. And here's what you're going to do, all right? When you get up to greet each other today, all of you on the left, the garden chapel and the left side here of the sanctuary, you're going to greet each other, but you're going to greet each other with a complaint. Okay? Now, that's not too hard to do, right? That kind of happens just naturally a lot of times. But I want you to get up and just share a complaint. You might even say, I'm not happy to see you today. You know? <laughs> Whatever you feel like, just share a complaint. You know? You may be upset about the fabulous weather we have today. You wish it were raining and cold and snowing because you like that better. Um, you may complain. Whatever you want to complain about, you may not like what the person next to you is wearing. Just say, you know, try something different next week. You know, just whatever you feel like you want to do. But just share a complaint. Okay? Now, you can't cheat and start sharing, sharing positive things. Just be, you know, just complain. The Bible calls it grumbling is what that's called. Okay? Now, you on the right, up in the balcony... You guys are going to greet each other and share something you're grateful for, something you, you feel blessed about. The wonderful weather, uh, the person you're sitting next to, how great the person was singing when you were next to them. You might want to complain about how bad the person was singing next to you and how much it ruined your worship experience this morning. Um, it's up to you, okay? So I'm just going to give us about 60 seconds to greet each other in that way, okay? So let's go. Go for it.
right, you're doing good. Some good grumbling going on. Some good Thanksgiving. All right. If you could find your seat, you're doing such a good job. All right. How'd it go over here on the grumbling side? Complaining. Pretty good? Terrible. Terrible. You got the bad assignment. See, we're even complaining about the assignment. No? I knew that was going to happen. I had somebody from first service come up to me afterwards and tell me about all the complaints. I go, so you guys just can't stop. Once it starts, it just keeps going and going and going. Good. It go over here on the blessing side? Yeah. All right. I see a lot of smiles over here. Some of you were laughing. That was good. You're taking it good. You know, some of the complaints. Uh, it's easy to be complainers in this world, isn't it? And it doesn't feel so much better. Now, let me ask you, those of you who are complainers, do you feel much closer to God now at this point? You know, like, oh, I just feel so glad I came to church today, you know? Um, how about you over here? Feel a little more blessed, a little more, yeah, yeah. It, but we live in a world that just loves to complain, right? We get our ways by complaining, right? If I complain enough, right, the will that what? Weeps the most, gets the most. Yeah. So you learn. It's like, you know, I'm just going to complain and complain and complain until I get what I, what? Want. It's hard to be grateful in this world when we're always just consumed with what we feel we want or what we need. But I love Thanksgiving. I love the eve of Thanksgiving. I don't know what it's like in your house, but in our house, Thanksgiving, the eve of Thanksgiving is, it just, it's this wonderful kind of hush. I feel like this is just this peaceful moment with the family. Now, I say that because I'm not in the kitchen, you know. Uh, but because my wife's in the kitchen, I have peace <laughs> beyond understanding. You know, it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing. And I get to smell all the aromas of what she's preparing. But it's this wonderful time just being with the family. Just, you kind of have this feeling like the world is just kind of, kind of quieting down. And I love Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving to me is kind of like, like an annual Sabbath of stopping and just giving thanks to God. And remembering what this whole life is about and how blessed we are, how good life is in spite of some of the hardships that we go through. I think Thanksgiving is essential to our well-being as, as humanity, uh, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. It's such a great time for us to stop and to remember. It's essential to our relationship with others, our relationship with God. We live in such an overworked, overproduced, overloaded society. Produce more, produce more, produce more. One study found, this one American Management Association found, that a lot of people basically out there are able to squeeze in 31 hours of activity into a 24-hour day. Because of our, we have technology, right? We can work harder, we can multitask, we can turn, 50% more, there's 50% more activity to a typical day of 16 waking hours. The average yearly increase in U.S. workers uh, the productivity has doubled from 1.5% to 3%. But here's what the CEO of the American Management Association says. But at what price? He says, through technology, people are accomplishing more in less time, but they are feeling overwhelmed by the multiplicity of their lives. You feel that multiplicity? The multiplicity of their lives. According to the CEO, there's a sense of fatigue that comes from multitasking. 
He says you can force yourself to keep doing things, but you may not be as effective. I found it funny. The Wall Street Journal had an article uh, that Starbucks, the corporation Starbucks, they were sending out to all of their stores to slow the baristas down. Because customers were complaining that the drinks, these you know foo-foo coffee drinks, uh, weren't as good as they used to be. Because they were just this production line. And they weren't treating each cup with the love you know, that they used to. <laughs> they were doing all of them at one time and steaming all the milk in a pitcher instead of one and all of this. And so guess what happened? People started complaining it was taking too long to get their drinks. So they slowed down so the drinks would be better. And now the drinks were better, but it was taking too long. And so it's funny, the Wall Street Journal said, unfortunately, in response to this increased concern for quality, Starbucks customers are already complaining that they have to wait longer for their grande, no-whip, low-fat, extra hot pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs> hmm. Or how about just trying to keep up with your email? Hmm. This teacher wrote, because I've overheard a lot of interesting things from my students. For instance, when Andrew, age five, and very much into computers, was saying the Lord's Prayer, he did well till the near of the end when he said, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from email. <laughs> now, I think Jesus may have taught his prayer that way in the 21st century, you know, if he was here today teaching his prayer, and deliver us from email. Oh, the, the consuming power of email and keeping up with everything and dealing with all of that. We live in a world where we are just overworked, overproducing, overloaded. One historian I want to share with you. you may be familiar with the historian Daniel Borston, who is no longer alive, but a uh, well-known historian, suggests that Americans suffer from all too extravagant expectations. In his much-quoted book, The Image, he makes this observation of Americans. Listen to this. This is very profound. He says, we expect anything and everything. We expect the contradictory and the impossible. We expect compact cars which are spacious. Luxurious cars, which are economical. We expect to be rich and charitable, powerful and merciful, active and reflective, kind and competitive. We expect to eat and stay thin, to be constantly on the move and ever more neighborly, to go to, and he puts in quotes, quotes to go to a church of our choice and yet feel its guiding power over us, to revere God and to be God. Never have people been more the masters of their environment, yet never has a people felt more deceived and disappointed, for never has a people expected so much more than the world could offer. Wow. Wow. That was profound. We live in a world, right, where the customer is always right. Now, is that a true statement? No. But when we're talking about money, it's right, isn't it? Customers always right. Well, if you think that, I know a good counselor. Because we need to deal with reality. But it gets into our own power trips. And life can be too easily wrapped up and very religious about possessions, production, position, and power. Augustine once said, he tells us that many human difficulties arise from our tendency to love the things we ought to use and to use the things we ought to love. You see, in God's book, 
the customer is not always right. God is always right. And you see, we live in a world where I just don't see a lot of thanksgiving in it. And I will confess too in my own life, I don't see nearly as much thanksgiving as I would like to have in my own life. There's a comedian my family and I like to listen to. And recently my son and I did a little guy's trip up to Santa Barbara to, to see this guy and get some laughs in together. And he tells a story about when he was driving one time. And uh, he's driving along and, and there was a guy next to him in the lane over. Um, nice convertible, some, some nice car, and he was on his cell phone you know, while he's driving. So I'm sure this was before the law, you know, about talking on your cell phone. Um, and he's driving along, and there's a semi-truck right next to him in the other lane. And the semi-truck was starting to move over. He didn't see this guy. And there was no room to get in. And so this comedian, he's saying that he saw in the guy's rearview mirror as he was driving along that he made eye contact and the comedian decided to stop back and let this guy over because otherwise it was going to be a wreck. And so the guy got over into his lane, and he's still talking on his cell phone the whole time, right? And he says, and this is what he did. He looked at me in his mirror, in his, in his side mirror, and while he was still on the phone, not breaking his conversation, he did this. <laughs> Just that. There you go. Yeah. And he goes, that was a thank you? <laughs> you know, it's like, I get this pinky thing, you know, just like, I just saved this guy's life. And he's just, he can't even like say thank you. He can't get off the phone. He just, thank you. And he moves on with his life. And I thought about that and I said, you know, that's too much like me with God. I go through this life, busy as I'll get out, and every once in a while I do this to God. Thank you, God, by the way. As I'm running, as I'm on the phone, as I'm doing, thank you for that. Thank you for that. And God deserves much more than a pinky thing. Much more than I'm on my way, don't stop my work, don't, I'm, I'm being productive. And oh, by the way, thank you, God. As people of God, we are a people of thanksgiving. It's the very core of who we are. We, out of all humanity, it seems, ought to be the absolute best at saying thanks. We're a people who are, at the very core of our being, of who we are, a thankful people. A people who thank God for being God. We can thank Him for all the benefits. The Psalms talk about that. Thank Him, praise Him for all of His benefits. And there are many with God. But at the very heart of it, as Christians, we can merely thank God for being God. I was talking to my wife the other night, just wrestling through some problems in my head. And I just said, it, it just kind of came out. I said, I just thank God for being God. And I was like, Hey, i got to use that for my sermon. <laughs> thank you, God, for that, you know. But thank God for God. Why should we thank God for God? I want to invite you to look at Psalms 100 with me this morning. And we're going to have it up on the screen for you, too. But if you want to turn your Bible, Psalms 100 is a psalm of thanksgiving. The psalmist is thanking God, and he's inviting all the people in their worship to give thanks to God. And so what I'd actually like us to do, we're going to get a little liturgical, if you will, this morning. And I want us to read it aloud together. It's up on the screen for you. So let's read this together. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is He that made us 
and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Mm, God is good. All the time. This psalm. Five verses. And the first four verses all have these action verbs to them. And there are more in there, but they all start this way. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is He that made us, and we are His. We are His people, the, pa- the pe- sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. Why? For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. Now this morning, I want to look at one verse. Mostly. Just, there's so much here, but I want to expound on some other things. But I want to look at one verse just to get us to think about something. The very first verse. Notice verse 1. Make a joyful what? Noise. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm trying to eliminate all noise as much as possible out of my life. You know, you got these noises. Sometimes I'm trying to concentrate, and you hear the computer, you know, the hard drive going, or you hear all the inside. Can I just get some peace and quiet? You know, you hear that. At my house, you hear the train down San Mateo Canyon about 1 o'clock in the morning, you know, and it actually now puts me to sleep. It's kind of a fun thing. When I first moved here, I go, oh, great. Now you laugh because you're right by it. <laughs> but it, all these different sounds, you know, last night, the dog at 11 o'clock at the neighbor's house. Oh, here we go. You know? But God was gracious. I fell asleep. But some of you know what that's like. Noise, you're trying to... Le- and here the psalmist says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Now this word in the Hebrew is actually, guess what? Noise. <laughs> it's not make a joyful song. It's not make a joyful shout. Make a joyful noise. And listen what the actual Hebrew actually says in this. The Hebrew is, it's a primitive root, to mar, to especially to break. Figuratively, it's to split the ears with sound. Now, that doesn't sound fun, right? Because that sounds like it hurts. But the psalmist is trying to make a point. Make a joyful noise. We have a reason, he says. Our motive is, verse 5, because the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. Make a joyful noise. Now, I believe in silence. It's good. I believe in being still and knowing that He's God. But I also believe sometimes we're not loud enough as a church. We're not loud enough in our giving thanks to God. I wonder what would happen if on a Sabbath morning we made a joyful noise and the neighbors wondered who'd start renting our property. What is going on? Because the Adventists aren't that loud. It's got to be the Pentecostals. It's got to be somebody else who's renting their church because they're not allowed people. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we need to pump up the worship here. I'm just saying the Bible says make a joyful noise. So much so that it's very loud. It's not a loud hush. But to thank God. Now, when my friend, who you all were praying for, and please continue to pray for, texted me and said that 
they did this, t- this test and there's no cancer cells found. I doubt he went, thank you, God. If it were me, I'd be like, thank you, God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you. I can't. How can I repay you? I can't. Thank you. I would be shouting. I'd be making a joyful noise. Has God saved your life? Thank you, God. Thank you. We are too still, I believe, as God's people. And I don't say just we. I mean, as Christians, I think too much we are too silent in our thanksgiving to God. And the psalmist says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Break the silence. Make a loud sound, a noise. Now some of you, when you sing, you say, I have people say, I can't sing, so I don't sing during worship. Make a joyful noise. Because there's this auto pitch corrector that happens between here and heaven. And it fixes everything. So by the time it reaches heaven, it's perfect harmony. And it sounds wonderful. Now, you need to pray for the grace for the person next to you to be able to tolerate it. But they'll get along. Okay? They'll get along. They'll, they'll, they'll do fine. Jesus will help them love you. Okay? It just happens. But this morning I want to say, I am thankful to God for God. And there are a few reasons, just in general, that I'm thankful. I am thankful that God forgives. That He has forgiven me He is forgiving me and He will continue to forgive me. Because none of us, none of us, the pastoral staff, our church leaders, all of us, none of us are ever as we should be. But Jesus forgives. And He loves. Think of the children of Israel. You know, when you read the Old Testament, you constantly just kind of giggle every once in a while. You're like, you know, God, help them. And He's trying. But they still are not faithful. They still bow down to other gods. They still do all these other things. And yet God never quits. He forgives. He forgives. And so I praise God that that I'm forgiven and that He forgives. That I experience His love and His faithfulness and forgiveness constantly. And I thank God this morning that by what He has done through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, He has overcome evil. That while we still experience evil in this world and we still go through it, He's bringing us through it. Can you imagine if no one ever got healed of cancer? I can't explain why it happens for some and why it doesn't for others, but I thank God that it happens to some people. It's like one person said, you know, talking about God and human suffering in my class this fall. You know, well, if God is good, then how come we have all these problems on the earth? And I like to say, imagine if God wasn't good. How bad would it really be? Thank God that He's good. And that because of what He did on the cross. And that what He did way back at the Garden of Eden. Can you imagine if He had left Adam and Eve in the garden with the tree of life after they'd sinned? But God out of His grace said, get away from the tree. God out of His grace worked through Abraham, a liar, a deceitful person, someone who couldn't trust God to come through with the promise that He had to try to do it Himself And have a son on his own. But yet God came through with a promise. When God was dealing with sin on the earth and was going to have the flood, he still had a way out with the ark. Even though we had messed up judges, there was the promised land. And even though 
Israel rejected God as their king, He never gave up on them. Even though they went into exile because of all their own doings and all their not trusting God, God sent prophets to call them home. Always. And no matter how bad it got, God Himself came and said, I'm here to save you. Come unto Me. Remember? All you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Trust Me with your life. When he was on the cross and he said, it is finished. Not only was he saying, it's done, the project is complete, but now there is a new beginning. And you will see it on Sunday morning. I will rise again. And he rose again. And he poured out his spirit. And because of his presence, never giving up on us, we can have his living water, his bread of life. We have a good shepherd who knows our name. We have a door into the kingdom, a light in the world of darkness. And we have a way and a truth and a life. We have a God that because of what He's done through Jesus Christ, we can look death in the eye and make a joyful noise. We can look evil straight in the face and shout loud hosannas. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, we have a God who is so faithful. He offers us the greatest invitation any human being could ever ask for. He reaches out His nail-pierced hands and He says, put your life in Me. You can trust these nail-pierced hands. You can know that nothing, even death, can separate you from My love. I will even carry you through death. And I'm making all things new again. Do yourself a favor and this afternoon or tomorrow, open up Romans 8 and enjoy Enjoy the truth about what God is up to in new creation in this world. And what He's doing in our lives. What He's doing in the nature around us. And what He's up to in making things right again because we have a God that is so good. And I give thanks to God that in His faithfulness, He's coming back. He's coming back. I want us to read again together these words of Jesus. We're going to put it on the screen. Wonderful words He spoke in John 14. Let's read it together. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Do you think God is committed to having you where He is? is. I thank God for God. I have a motive for my thanksgiving this morning. A motive that is completely found in the goodness, the faithfulness, and the love of God. I thank God that I can be crucified with Christ so that I no longer live, but Christ can live in me. And that the life I live in this body, I can live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. But church, as Human beings, we have a hard time receiving gifts, don't we? It's very difficult for us. Someone gives us a gift and we have to immediately think about, how do I repay this person? A couple weeks ago, Julianne Aranda had asked people, in honor of her daughter's birthday, to do acts of kindness on November 12th. We shared it with the church. I hope some of us were able to do that. And I just had a ball that day. I had a ball just like you know, surprising people without them knowing what was going on. 
I remember one family in particular, I took my kids somewhere and we were going to eat and they were doing some studying and, and we went and when I paid for us, I said, you know, the next person who comes to the register, I'd like to cover their, their meal. And they're like, oh, okay. That's really cool. That's fun. Okay, let's go do that. So we went away and we found a table and after a few minutes, this family came in, about five of them. They came in and <laughs> and I said, God, could we have gone for two? That would have been... <laughs> I thought, hey, God is good. So they came in and, and they ordered, and then it was it was great. I couldn't hear everything that was being said, but I was you know I was kind of I was reading, kind of like looking and kind of watching, and uh, and I saw the person behind the register say, "Your meal's been paid for. We have a customer that's that's paid for your meal." And they just looked and they were puzzled, you know, and they just kind of looked. No, they're kidding, right? They're looking for cameras, you know. It's like, <laughs> what's going on? And then they giggled and they laughed. They didn't know what to do because they couldn't do anything about it. They just had to receive. And so they did, and they were all smiling. And then it was funny because they actually chose the table right next to us. So I tried not to look too obvious. I just kind of kept looking. What are you talking about? You know, watching them grin and laugh. And just watch them accept the gift. But it's hard for us to do. In fact, even with God, God has been so gracious to us. He saved our life. He forgives us. He's seen us through to the end. And yet sometimes we think we, I've got to repay him. I've got to pay him back, and I'm going to work really hard with all these good works to pay him back. You can't. You never can. I never can. Just accept the goodness of God. Just receive the goodness of God, of his love and his forgiveness and his faithfulness to us. You see, we've got to keep doing what the psalmist says. We sing and we make a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Sing loud. Make a joyful noise in thanksgiving to Him. I want to close with a quote. I'm sorry I've gone long, but I got excited about giving thanks today. A quote from Ellen White from the Review and Herald, August 2, 1881. And at first the quote, you're going to go, where's he going with this quote? But I, hopefully you'll get this as, if not, I'll explain it. <laughs> explain my reasoning. But I love what she says. You know, too often, I have to just say, sometimes growing up in the Adventist church, we have tried to use fear too often to get people to come to Jesus. You know, you better do this. Jesus is coming soon. And if you don't, who knows what's going to happen to you. Listen to what she says. The shortness of time is urged as an incentive for us to seek righteousness and to make Christ our friend. This is not the great motive. It savors of selfishness. Is it necessary that the terrors of the day of God be held before us to compel us through fear to right action? This ought not to be. Jesus, I love these words, Jesus, she says, is attractive. He is full of love, mercy, and compassion. He proposes to be our friend, to walk with us through all the rough pathways of life. He says to you, I am the Lord thy God, walk with me and I will fill thy path with light. Jesus, the majesty of heaven, proposes to elevate to companionship with himself those who come to him with their burdens, their weaknesses, and their cares. He will make them his dear children and finally give them inheritance of more value than the empires of kings. Jesus is attractive because God is so good. God is so good. That's my motive this morning, church. We have a motive for thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, Kalamensis. 
Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is He that made us and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray. Lord, we give thanks to You today. Not only for all the wonderful benefits, but Lord, because You Yourself are just so good. We thank You for You. We thank You that more than anything else, You just want us. You want that relationship. Nothing else satisfies like the relationship with You. God who is merciful and compassionate, faithful and long-suffering from generation to generation to generation. And so, Lord, we give You praise and we give You thanks. And I ask You, church, at this time, in the silence of Your heart, to spend some time thanking God.
Sing it out, church. Thank you. just like to remind you that if you'd like to pray with someone, we have people from the prayer team up on the front pews. Maybe you'd like to just come forward and pray thanks to God. At this time, I want to just encourage us as we go, go with thankful hearts. Because as the people of God, we have the greatest motive of all to give thanks. And let us not be silent, but make a joyful noise in the world around us. For God is good, and He is faithful, and He is merciful all the time. God bless you.